0: Do you know him as a friend? Is he your friend? I trust that he is. Very familiar song. Appreciate the songs this morning again. Well, about 27 years ago, I preached a message on a book in the Bible. And that book came back to me again when Terrell asked me to share. But not in the way that It did 27 years ago. How many of you have hid something in plain sight, especially you parents, in plain sight for your children to find, and then watched in the excitement as they, for you and for them, as they found it? Does that bring back memories? I guess that's a little bit the way I am when I find things in the Bible that are in plain sight. And yet, I think all of you who read your Bibles know that every time you read it, you probably find something new each time. This is something that I have noticed for quite a while, but I wasn't sure how long it was going to take for me to share it. Terrell says we have to be leaving by a certain time. No, he didn't say that. What book in the Bible would I go to in the Old Testament? You know that I like my typology and I like prophecy. What book in the Bible in the Old Testament would I go to this morning for that? A lot of them there, aren't they? But I'm just wondering if anybody could guess it. It's only got four chapters. Ruth. Who said that? Yeah, you knew it. (laughs) She was asking me yesterday. The little book of Ruth has so much typology in it. What is typology? It's a pattern. We see types and shadows. And we hear a lot today about that we're living in this, we're seeing the signs of the times that that are happening. Well, I think it was Chuck Mishler that says that we're living in the times of the signs, and we are. We're living in the times of the signs. We are living in that day. You know, back in the Bible, they were there, and they were signs for us when we get there, but we're there. And so we're living in that type of time. The book of Ruth is a very interesting little book. It's one of the most dramatic books of prophecy in the Bible. Now, the other time that I preached about it, I preached about the grace that's there. Tremendous, tremendous message of grace that is in the book of Ruth. But it also has a lot of typology and a lot of prophecy. Most of the Old Testament books do. That's why they were there its for us, for us to find it. The Jewish scriptures often include Ruth as part of the books of the prophets. You know, they have the the books of Moses and the books of prophets and the books of the Psalms, but it's included in the prophets. Why? I don't think they know, but it is there. The basic theme of the Bible is that the 66 books are a single message system. Every book, every name, Every detail is there by design. Prophecy helps us understand the whole Bible. Understanding God's prophetic program for this world gives a person the best overall framework possible by, for comprehending the Bible if we look at it from Genesis to Revelation. So if we understand prophecy, you can go to any book in the Bible and you can see what God is doing and what He's what He wants us to see. And the Old Testament always points to the New. What you read in the Old Testament, I, I often think of when Jesus was walking to Emmaus with, those, with the two disciples, and He, he said, Oh, fools, it's slow at heart to learn. I mean, there I was all throughout the Old Testament and you didn't see it. And I often have to wonder how much don't we see and how much of it's in the New Testament that we don't see But there it is. He hid it in plain sight. All we have to do is read it, study it, look at it, and apply it and see what he is is telling us. Now in Ruth, every detail not only carries the idea along of prophecy in the Bible, but also carries along the, the plan of redemption. And it gives us hints about God's plan. For instance, the kinsman redeemer Israel and the church now the Greek model for prophecy is what we often think about I think that prophecy predicts something and then there's a fulfillment in fact Bible tells us that if a prophet prophesies something it doesn't it, it's not fulfilled it's a false prophet so that's the way that, that the Greek model would look at it, but the Hebrews would look at it as prophecy as a pattern as a type so, when it was prophesied in the Old Testament, the Old Testament people would have looked at it from a standpoint as, as a type. Just think about, about Moses as a type of Christ, Joseph as a type of Christ, the serpent in the wilderness that was hung on, the, on this, the pole. I mean, you have all kinds of types, and all pointing, most of them pointing to Jesus, some pointing to other things, but most of them pointing to Jesus. Abraham and Isaac, taking him to be sacrificed. I mean, you have all kinds of things that I know that you can think of, and you can probably think of others. The book of Ruth is in the days of when the judges ruled. It's an ultimate love story. A message there, some of the verses are often used in weddings. Yes, it's an ultimate love story, but at the prophetic, personal level, the book of Ruth is one of the most significant books for the church. What he means, for the church. The church wasn't even mentioned, but the church was hidden in the Old Testament. It was there in plain sight. But they didn't see it. But it's there. The role of the kinsman redeemer is an essential prerequisite for understanding Revelations. If you understand the role of kinsman-redeemer, and we're going to look at that a little bit this morning, but if you understand that, when you get to Revelation, especially chapter 5, and you see the book and the seven seals, you understand because Ruth told us about it. In Jewish liturgy, the scroll of Ruth is read at Shavuot. What is Shavuot? It's the day of Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks. This is the only feast of Moses that uses leavened bread. Why? Well, that's a whole nother message. And I have I have shared that already about how that pictures the church and and because at, at Pentecost you have the Jewish believers and you have the Gentile believers. You have leavened bread and unleavened bread. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah. Why does it say Bethlehem Judah there, for instance? Just a side note. Why do we sometimes see Bethlehem Judah? Was there another Bethlehem? Yes. In Zebulun. In the land of Zebulun. You see that in Joshua 19. There was a Bethlehem there. That's why Scripture specifically says We're in Bethlehem, Judah. And for those of us who have been to Israel, when we were out in the the shepherd's fields, we were in Bethlehem, Judah. We were probably in Boaz's fields. They believe that, and I believe that it's very possible. So the first sentence here tells us, first verse tells us what the incident is, where it took place when it took place and generally how and why it took place in chapter 1 we see in the days of that Judah the judges ruled and if you look at the last verse of the book of judges just before that what do you read the people did what was right in their own eyes that's the that's the kind of setting that the book of Ruth is all about everybody else was doing what was right in their own eyes now I'm going to assume that you know the book of Ruth because we're not going to go down through it verse by verse and I'm going to skip around in a lot of the verses and I'm going to assume that you know the general story about how they there was a famine, they went to Moab, they came back from Moab, they didn't all come back. Hopefully you know the story. But there's three people especially that I want you to remember and I'm, remember we're looking at types. So if we look at Naomi... She's the type of what? She's the type of Israel. Think of Israel when you when we're talking about Naomi. Now Ruth, who does Ruth represent in a type? The Gentile bride. And Boaz, who is Boaz? Christ. Good, you're seeing it. So remember that as we go through here. Neomah is Israel, the land of Israel, the nation of Israel, probably more the nation of Israel than anything else, although her name is Pleasant. Her name means pleasant, pleasant land, and the scripture says that Israel is the pleasant land. So again, is God hiding something here that is in plain sight? for us to see. And we know that that was Imelech and Naomi and Mahlon and Chilian and Orpha and Ruth and how Orpha went back, but Ruth followed. Verse 22 in chapter 1 says, So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Keep that in mind. They came back in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, looking at the calendar a little bit, our calendar, this would have been in March and April, would be in the spring. In the Jewish calendar, it's the month of Nisan. In the farming calendar, it's at the latter rains. Now you say spring and the latter rains? Yes. Yes. The early rains were in the fall. The latter rains are in the spring. And in the latter rains in the spring, you have the barley harvest and the flax harvest. The special days for the Jews were in, in the, this month, Nisan. Nisan 14 is what? Passover. Nisan 15 to 21, unleavened bread. You have the first fruits, the Sunday following Passover and Shavat or Pentecost, comes 50 days after First Fruits, which is the wheat harvest. Today in the Jewish liturgy, the scroll of Ruth is read at Shavuot. Any of you who followed, follow Amir on Telegram, he just mentioned that. That was just a couple of weeks ago, and he just made the comment, and I was, I was looking at this lesson, I thought, yeah, that's right. They were reading Ruth at Shavuot. Why? Do they know? I doubt it. That they know, but that's when they read it. Ruth chapter two verse one. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. A kinsman, a relative. The term also implies strong and strength. He was a mighty man. Remember, he's Christ, type of Christ. The blood relationship was was with Elimelech, not with Naomi. Potentially he could be a kinsman redeemer of the tribe of Judah. Boaz's name means in him there is strength. His name is not only important in Ruth but his name was also chosen by Solomon for one of the two pillars of the temple, remember? So Boaz was a kinsman. Who's our kinsman? We too have a kinsman. One who was made like as we are, yet sinless, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Hebrews 7.26. You're going to be looking at that in your Sunday school lessons coming up. He is one who is able to save us to the uttermost. So remember, Boaz is a type of Christ. Verse 2, and Ruth, the Moabitess. Now notice, both times here I've read that Ruth calls herself the Moabitess and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi let me now go into the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace and she said unto her go my daughter so she went to glean now this was the welfare system of those days if you were a landowner you were allowed to make one pass over your fields through your field you could not go back the second time And pick up what you had left. The concept was that the reapers uh, missed or whatever they missed or spilled was left for the widows and the destitute. Not a bad idea even for today, wouldn't it be? Would sure help in a lot of ways. Verse 4, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. See, we see Boaz as the Lord of the harvest. Who is Boaz? He's Christ. He's the Lord of the harvest. Verse 5, then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers. Whose damsel is this? Now notice his servant here. Who, what was this servant's name? He's unnamed. So Ruth was introduced to Boaz by an unnamed servant. We kind of have the same picture and when Abraham's servant came to him. But later on we find out that Abraham's servant was Eliezer. But here, there is no name mentioned. What does John 16, 13 say? Albeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. This servant doesn't speak of himself. I like to think that we have the type here of the Holy Spirit in this servant. Just keep all of these things in mind and hopefully at the end we we'll put it all together. Verse 19 in chapter two, and her mother in law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned? Oh, I want to go back to verse three, just out of just for a little note that I came across. Verse three says that she hap, if her hap was to find herself in the field of Boaz. You suppose that was just a happenstance? Just a coincidence? You know what a coincidence is? It's God working undercover. And he was here. Believe me. Verse 19, And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Neoma said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Neoma said unto her, The man is near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. So we here we come again to the kinsman, and Boaz is now connected with this concept that he is the kinsman redeemer. Now I'd like to look at a couple different things before we go on. The law of redemption. Uh, We find that in Leviticus 25. I'm not going to turn to that. But the law of redemption here is speaking, uh, I mean, it was biblical, it was scriptural, and they were practicing. It's practiced. A number of things are practiced here in, in Ruth. But the land of Israel belonged to God. Remember, God said, the land's mine. And when Joshua entered the land, this land was granted to the 12 tribes. The land was to stay at that tribe. In fact, I I checked on this, 90% of the land in Israel today you cannot buy. It belongs to the nation of Israel. I wonder why. They still don't sell it. It still belongs to the tribes. But 90% of it is, is not for sale. And I don't know how they come up with that, but anyway, that's the way it is. But the land was to stay in that tribe, and you could sell your land, or I should say lease your land, rent it out, so to speak, which was uh, you, you sold the rights to the use of the land for a while and then in the year of Jubilee, the land would return to the original owners. So when you sold the land, the title deed would also include the rules of redemption. The law required a procedure so that if your next of kin, for instance, would come on the scene there was a procedure in which he could go about to get that land back because it belonged to this tribe and that was Neoma's concern when she came back she didn't have an heir her sons had both died there was no heir for her to reclaim her land that's why she said Boaz is our next of kin he's the one that can redeem the land back because this land is ours but she had no one to do that at this point, um, remember even Jeremiah, he bought some land when they went into captivity, and he bought it for what reason? Well, it was one thing God wanted them to see that they were coming back, but there was a procedure there on the scroll of the lease that would tell them how they could redeem his his relatives. Jeremiah wouldn't be coming back, but there was a there was a procedure for them to get the land back, and that was very important to them. And you, again, you see that in Revelation 5, where you have the book, which is, has seven seals, and is written within and without. The backside told you how to go about it, and the inside gave you the, 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 re, the redemption of the land. There was also the law of the levirate marriage. Now, that has nothing to do with the tribe of Levi. It appears that way, but it's the law of Leverite marriage. You find it in Deuteronomy 25. And the, the word means, is Latin for a husband's brother or brother-in-law. Leverite marriage dealt with a situation where there, you had a widow with no child. Now, if she had a child, she had someone to take over the land. But if she had no child, then this law came into being. She could go to the next of kin and put a claim on him to take her, take her to wife and raise up children for her family. See, it's all about the land. Keep that land. He had to meet three conditions to, to make it work. First, he had to be a near kinsman. He had to be a close relative. Second, he had to have the means to perform. In other words, he had to have the money to, or whatever it took, whatever the procedure was, he had to have that to get it back, and third, he had to be willing. It was not required. He had to be willing. If he chose not to, then he had to remove uh, his shoe and give it to her as a symbol of shame. He had failed to do his kinsman part. And so that was the Leverite, the law of the Leverite marriage. And we see that in Ruth. Then you have the laws of or we have the laws of ancient Israel here we have the laws of gleaning which we looked at how they went about gleaning it the land in chapter 2 you have the levirate marriage in chapter 3 and you have the law of redemption in chapter 4 now going back to Ruth chapter 3 verse 1 then Naomi her mother-in-law said unto her my daughter shall i not rest for thee shall i not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee now the word rest here in the hebrew It actually is in the context that refers to the condition of rest and security or of marriage. And that was already implied back in Ruth chapter 1. I mean, she was concerned about Ruth getting married. Neoma was old, too old to bear a child, but Ruth was available. She was younger. Neoma was faced with three issues. How could the name of Elimelech be maintained among the tribes of Israel since both her sons were now dead? Number two, what steps should be taken to protect her inheritance, her inheritance of the land? And number three, how could she provide rest and security or marriage for her faithful daughter-in-law? A daughter-in-law that had stuck very close to her. So a marriage between Boaz and Ruth would solve all three problems. And mother-in-law Naomi was busily thinking, I'm sure. This also meant that Naomi could renounce her own claim to Boaz as a close relative and give it to Ruth because she was, as I just mentioned, she was much younger. Verse 2, and now... Is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. I had to wonder if it was the same threshing floor that David later on bought. But the threshing, threshing floor was a large flat parcel of ground where there was a prevailing wind. And after the grain had been ground, they would throw the grain up in the air And the wind would cause the grain to fall a little bit downwind and the chaff would fall further downwind and if done properly you would end up with two piles. The closer one being the grain for the market and the further one would be burned as trash. I had to think of the account of the wheat and the tares. We gather the wheat we burn the tares. Again we have that in the New Testament. This is not only a time of work, but also a time of celebration. Typically, the afternoon was spent threshing the grain, and that night they would have a party, which reminded me, and maybe some of you did this too, but when I was young, we husked corn by hand. And so once we were done husking the fields of corn, we always had ice cream for supper. Bring back any memories for anybody? So there's always a celebration when the harvest is done. And that's what was happening here. And then the owners would sleep there to prevent anyone from stealing the grain. Verse 3, Naomi says, Wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And so we see four steps here that even apply to each one of us. It it applies to, that are essential for salvation for each one of us as sinners. Step one, wash thyself. If you and I are going to come to Christ, we are told that it is not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of Regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. We see that in Titus 3.5. Now that's the reason that Jesus said. What he did to Nicodemus. He said you may think you're a fine. Religious man. And you are. But you need a bath. You need a spiritual bath. And you need the washing of regeneration. Not baptism. But a change of heart. You need a washing of the regeneration. You must be, and he said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. So Naomi tells Ruth, You've been working hard out in the field. Wash yourself, get ready. Step two anoint thyself, put on perfume. We see the same example being used in David. Remember when? He was mourning for the death of his son. He got up, he washed himself. He anointed himself. And the next thing that Naomi tells Ruth to do here is to change her clothes. We see the same thing there with David. But we need to, uh, in in 1 John 2.20 it says, um, But ye have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The Spirit of God is the only one that can teach us. Teach us all the truth, and all of us need to be the teaching of the of the Spirit of God. It's the only way that we can ever understand the Word of God. Holy Spirit must teach us. And Paul says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God revealed them by His Spirit. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 2. And Like I said, step three is to put on thy raiment upon thee. The Hebrew word here that is used, trying to explain it the way I would understand it, and that is is that Ruth was probably, like David, was in mourning. She was still wearing her, her widow's clothes, her... Uh, not her regular clothes. And Naomi's saying, put on your regular clothes. And Ruth probably didn't have a best dress. You know, we would say, well, are you going to a party tonight? Put on your best party dress. No, Ruth just had other clothes. And Naomi's saying, go change, get out of your widow's clothes, put on your regular clothes, and go to the threshing floor. Like I said, uh, David is another example of that. Oh, where do I go? It's time to quit. I've got a long way to go. If she was wearing, if, if she, and she was, she was wearing her widow's clothes and maybe this was the reason that Boaz did not move to court her. Boaz obviously had his eye on her but he didn't move to court her. And he wouldn't do that as long as she was in mourning. Step four was stake your claim. In other words, Verse 4 says, And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Lay thee down here means the Hebrew reading is that the place where the feet are. She was to lay down at his feet after uncovering his feet. She was to stretch the hem of his garment over him over herself. She was to take a servant's position, lying at her, at her master's feet. The position was a lowly one, and it represented Ruth as a petitioner. She was petitioning something from him. Verse 5, And she said uh, uh, "and she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do, Ruth telling Neoma that. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of, of corn or grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, What? Are you following in the reading? I am Ruth. What happened to the Moabites? Everywhere else she says I'm a Moabite. Here she says I'm Ruth. I'm Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid for thou art a near kinsman. So she's a handmaid. She's a servant. She's willing. She's willing to accept what what he has for her. This time she presented herself as one who was eligible, not only as a servant, but as for marriage. Remember when we talked about the skirt and the hem? Remember what I showed you some time ago about the prayer shawl and how it's the hem of his garment? I have a hunch that this could have easily been Boaz's prayer shawl that he had on. Now we don't want to misunderstand This passage. In our culture, it would seem that she was propositioning him here, but there's a lot more going on here than that. So when Ruth says this to Boaz, she's making a claim on him to take her to wife because he is obligated under the law of the Leverite marriage. No matter how much Boaz loved Ruth, he had to await for her to move. He had to await on her. And we'll look at that just a little bit later. So how about you? We have, You and I, you know we have a near kinsman. But she was doing this on her, by her. She was giving up her own will. She was giving up her own happiness, so to speak, in a sense. I mean, I'm sure she was, she was going to be happier, but she was giving this all up for her family duty of providing an, an heir for Neoma and for the land. In chapter four, like I said, we see the redemption, and Boaz confronts the 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 nearer kinsman. There is one that is nearer. Remember the story. The nearer kinsman is willing to redeem the land, but he's not willing to redeem uh, uh, Ruth. He's not willing to take her as a bride. So he yields up his shoe to enter the to uh, not to go go into the obligation, and then of course immediately Boaz steps up and he purchases the land, and he purchases Ruth as his bride. Again, reminds me of the parable in Matthew 13, the pearl of great price. He sold everything for, to get the pearl of great price. Now the land stands in the family, and Ruth becomes one who can bear the heir. The nearest kinsman here, I believe, represents the Mosaic law. To begin with, he's nameless again. It was impossible for the law to redeem us. It's made very clear in the New Testament. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans 3.20. The law was never given to be a redeemer. The law was given to reveal our true condition. The law was given to reveal uh, our condition in the situation that we, we find ourselves in. It was a ministration of death according to 2 Corinthians. The law was never a savior. The law actually condemns us rather than saves us. So I think we see a picture here, a type of the Mosaic law. And of course, we need a redeemer. So Christ, like Boaz, is not free to move on on uh, your behalf until you claim Him as a kinsman redeemer. Have you claimed Him as kinsman redeemer? There's nothing He can do until you step out and claim Him. I mean, He has already done it, but there's nothing more that He can do, I should say. Christ died on the cross for you. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear My voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with Me. We read that in Revelations 3.20. But He will not force the door down. It's your move. It's my move. So this morning if you're here and you haven't claimed that kinsman redeemer, Jesus cannot come in to your heart until you open it up for Him to come into your heart. Now some observations that I'd just like to go over. So in order to bring Ruth into contact to Naomi, Naomi had to be exiled from her land. Remember? Ru- Naomi came in contact with Ruth after she left the land. Ruth is Israel. Our, Ruth is the Gentile bride. Ruth is, Naomi is Israel. In 70 AD, Israel was exiled from her land, basically. But what the law could not do Grace did. Ruth, the Gentile bride, does not replace Naomi. Notice that in this story, and it's also true. You've heard me say that often. The church has never replaced Israel. We see that here again. Ruth learns Boaz's ways through Naomi. You say, what? The Gentile bride? The Gentiles learn from Israel? Where did Jesus come from? Where does our Bible come from? It comes from the Jews, right? So Ruth learned Boaz's ways, learned Christ's ways through Israel. Naomi meets Boaz through Ruth. Naomi meets Boaz through Ruth. Israel learns about Christ through the Gentile bride. Right? What is... is, Paul tells us in Romans. Salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. We have a responsibility to make Christ known to the Jews. Are we doing our part? I trust that we are. The least we can do is pray for them. That's a lot. But we need to pray for them. No matter how much Boaz loved Ruth, he had to wait her move. We've already talked about that. And Boaz... Not Ruth confronts the nearer kinsman. Christ, not the church, takes care of the law, takes care of Satan or anything else you want to put in there. And Ruth's social uh, progression is just like ours. She was a foreigner in chapter 2. She was a lower servant in chapter 2. She's a maidservant in chapter 3 and she's a bride in chapter 4. See the steps that we go through? Now in chapter 4 verse 16 we see that Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women her neighbors gave it a name saying there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed which is the father of Jesse the father of David. And so she's in the lineage of the genealogy of Christ. Now something that I want you to notice there is, if you read on in the chapter after verse 16, or maybe after 50, I'm not sure exactly the verse, but you hear no longer of Ruth. Why? Why do you not hear of Ruth after after the baby's born? After she's married. It's not after the baby's born. It's after she's married. Do you hear of the church after the rapture? After the wedding? No. You don't hear of the church in Revelation after the wedding until you get to the millennial kingdom. And so again, we have some, some very interesting types here. I hope you caught some of these types. Out of the land of, of Moab, and Ruth suffered a lot. She lost three of her family. It's a type of the Holocaust. The Holocaust contributes to the Jews' return in 1948. When did they return? May 14th in the spring at the barley harvest. That's when they returned. And those, uh, another thing we can look at is the fig tree. The fig tree, of course, was born in 1948 there, which is, is national Israel. And it says that this generation shall not pass away. Brethren and sisters, I think we are that generation. We will not pass away until we've seen all these things. This was a short time from the time that they came back from the barley harvest to the end of the wheat harvest. She was married. That's a very short time. We have a very short time from 1948 until this is all going to take place, I believe. So let's just keep that in mind. Now Ruth becomes a bride before Neoma, or Israel, receives her inheritance. Ezekiel tells us how much more land. You know, they've never inherited all their land, and I don't think they can. Well, I'm almost sure that they cannot inherit all that land until the rapture. And then God goes back and deals with his wife, the nation of Israel, and they inherit all their land. No oma doesn't get her land back here until after the wedding. I think the same thing is going to happen with national Israel when they receive all their land back. Titus 2.11-14 read, and, and basically here in closing, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. I trust this morning that you again see that blessed hope that we have and the glorious appearing, which we are going to see very soon of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God turns to Israel after the wedding, like I said. And then we see that Neoma takes care of the child. Israel takes care of the Gentiles, I believe, after the rapture. Those that miss the rapture, they will have the two witnesses. They have the 144,000. Again, Israel takes care of them, so to speak. Remember that the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation and many will be saved. But the bride's wedding, the bride's wedding, brothers and sisters, cannot, cannot be far off. Have you claimed your kinsman redeemer? Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you again that this, this little book, this little four-chapter book in The Old Testament, the book of Ruth, shows us so much of what you have put there, I believe, for us to see. But we only find these things if we're going to read your word and we're going to look at it and see what you have for us. Help us, Father, as individuals, as a church, that we might truly look into your word and see. And Father, I believe that you're coming soon. Help each one of us to be ready. Just bless each one that's here this morning, those under the sound of my voice that may be listening in, Father, that we truly are looking forward to that blessed hope and that time that you are gloriously going up here and we will go home to be with you. Just guide us and direct us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.